when you have that scarcity mindset, it's us versus them, and there's one pie, and we're all fighting over three slices of the pie. The slice, the, the pie doesn't get bigger. You don't multiply the pies. We're all fighting over that one pie. And that's programmed into our minds from the time we're born. Politicians, from the pulpit, from our parents, from schools. Welcome to Men of Abundance, the podcast for those looking to level up their lives by hanging out with some of the greatest leaders and established professionals in our community, living a life of integrity, honor, and the abundance mentality. Prepare to pay it forward with your host, former army medic turned lifestyle entrepreneur, Wally Carmichael. What is going on, all of you amazing, abundant leaders out there? I am Wally Carmichael. You should know who I am by now, and if you don't, no big deal. This isn't about me. Men of Abundance is about all of these amazing conversations. Men of Abundance is about you. Men of Abundance is about showing you how to live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your way to having more. Make no mistake about it. There is absolutely nothing wrong with having more. In fact, if you are capable of doing so, you should do everything that you can to acquire more. Now, what do I mean by more? I don't necessarily mean more resources, more money, more tangible assets. What I mean is more relationships, more knowledge, more wisdom, more things that you can share with other people that, are, that will last a lifetime. There are things and resources in this world that some people cherish, but can be taken away in the blink of an eye. And we're going to get into that in this conversation, and we're going to talk about some specific people that had lost everything and then got it all back. And why? Why is that important? So when I talk about abundance, I'm not just talking about tangible resources like money and commodities and investments and stuff like that. I'm literally talking about the wisdom that you have, the knowledge that you have that nobody can take away from you. And more importantly, that is much more valuable for you to share with others. It's the whole give a man a fish, feed him for a day, teach a man to fish, you feed him for life and his family and everyone else he comes in contact with. That to me is just part of what abundance is about. Now, I want to share with you as you're listening to this, and if you are listening to this on the 17th of December, 2020, tonight... I am going to be holding and hosting the very first Men of Abundance Hangout, where we are going to start having conversations around things like our differences and embracing our differences and paying it forward and just having general conversations. If you would like to get in on that, make sure you check the show notes of this episode because the Zoom link is going to be and the registration link is going to be in the Facebook group, the Men of Abundance private Facebook group. So make sure you go and get access to that group so that you can get in on this if you want to. Now, if you're listening to this conversation after December 17th, 2020, don't worry about it. Go get access to the Men of Abundance private Facebook group. We are going to be holding these at least once a week for to get started. Maybe we'll do it every other week or something of that nature. We'll see how it goes. But I want to have regular conversations with other abundant leaders or those of you who strive to be an abundant leader 
and live in abundance mindset. We're just going to get in there and have conversations around living a life of abundance. Some of our featured guests will come in there and hang out a little bit. Some of you will have other people that haven't even been guests on the show to come in and share their life of abundance. And you can share yours as well and ask any questions. And let's just get in there and hang out and have a conversation. And of course, before we get into our conversation today, I want to afford you the opportunity to be abundant in your actions by paying it forward and sharing men of abundance with others. Take a screenshot of your phone, take a picture of the computer or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode and post it on Instagram, Facebook, whatever. Make a little clip and throw it up on your TikTok, whatever it is, wherever you're at and hashtag men of abundance, hashtag abundance so that others can find these amazing conversations and get something out of them. You never know who is in need of one of these conversations. And I assure you, those you share it with will come out back and thank you. It happens to me all the time. It's happened to other people. Other people have reached out to me and said, Wally, I shared your episode. I love that episode. I shared it with others. And I'm just getting all these amazing responses from it. I greatly appreciate it. And others will greatly appreciate it as well. So our featured guest today is Kurt Mercadante. He is an international speaker, trainer, and disruptive entrepreneur whose mission is to save the world by helping people fight for freedom and fulfillment. Man, I love that. Kurt's speeches and training empower individuals to be more engaged, productive, and profitable. And he also hosts the popular Freedom Club podcast. He was raised in the Chicago area, but he and his wife, Julie, live in the Charleston, South Carolina area with their four children when they're not traveling the world. Kurt is a diehard fan of the White Sox, a superhero nerd, and can frequently be found at his local boxing gym. Men of Abundance, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Kurt Mercadante. Kurt, welcome to Men of Abundance, brother. How you doing? Wally, I am doing excellent. Thanks so much for having me on. My pleasure, man. How you, where are you at in the world? We are in Charleston, South Carolina. It's a little bit of paradise down here. It's to them. It's I grew up in Chicago. To me, it's nice and warm. To them, it's you know, it's just under sixty. So everyone here is like, you know, taking shelter. Um, <laughs> but I'm out in shorts, and people look at me like I'm crazy. So <laughs> I've been around those parts. I've been around South and North Carolina um, several back in the late '90s, but um, have not been to Chicago yet. And I will be there on the um, the. S- 5th, 6th, and 7th of March because my son is graduating from uh, the Naval Navy uh, boot camp. Oh, so I'm wow. So i go down, okay. there, fly down there and watch him. Yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. So I get to go partake in that. And I know he hasn't eaten normal food for several weeks, so we're going to go get one of those famous Chicago pizzas. Excellent, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking for good look, good locations in that area. So if you know any, hit me up. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you know, they got Uno, Pizza Uno, Pizza and and I will say that, you know, I don't know if they still have them, but there's none down here, but you know, Pizza Uno uh did the whole franchise thing around the country. Mm-hmm. And they are not the franchises do not serve the same as the original Pizza Uno. Yeah. Um and Lou Malmati's, so yeah, look for those. Uno, Due, or Lou Malmati's, and you can't go okay. wrong. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Thanks for that. Really, you thanks bet. for that. That's, <laughs> this is going to air much later. I'm sure you're going to hear this much later, guys. But at this time, <laughs> um, we're, we're, we're we at towards the just past the mid-end of uh, February uh, 2020. So 
I'm looking forward to that, mostly a, because I'm going to see my son graduate. But and he loves pizza, so I know that's well, what we're going to do. Well, congrats to your son, and that's going to be an awesome proud dad moment. Oh, for <laughs> sure. Well, my oldest is in the army, and he's he's currently serving in Korea. Oh, and wow. uh, then my youngest, he's ten. If he ends up in the air force, then I've got the air, land, and sea covered for my household. So there you uh, go. You know, it'll be all good. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's totally up to them. I let them do their own thing, man. Anyhow, this isn't my show. This this is my show, but it's about you today. Uh, I like to start out with an attitude of gratitude. What do you have to be grateful for today? You know, today I'm grateful for the ability to help people. Every morning I wake up, and I, I love the fact that you start your show with an attitude of gratitude. I wake up every morning, and I used to tell my clients and myself to do three things. Write down three things and journal three things I'm grateful for. Then I ended up doing a podcast interview with Dr. Paul Jenkins. He's a positive psychologist, and man, he made me feel bad. He has some of his clients write down 100 things every morning, but he challenged me to do 25. And But the thing is, half of those 25 have to be hard things. And so, uh, you know, for instance, there's days when I wake up, uh, right when we started this, uh, my father passed away in 2012, which which we'll probably talk about later. And it was a it was a real change point in my life. And I feel like my dad's with me every single day. And for whatever reason, on the day my dad died, I saw it was it was uh, pretty darn cold. It was December December 1st when he passed away. And the day he died, and also the day of his funeral when I gave the eulogy, I saw more cardinals flying and, and landing near me than I ever have. And so every time I see a cardinal now, this was back in 2012, I think of my dad, that my dad's with me. Mm. Wally, as we started this interview, I looked out the window and on a tree branch right outside my window was a cardinal, just staring at the window. Mm. And so when he asked what I'm grateful for, that's what I'm grateful for today. And it's it's one of those things where I'm not grateful my dad passed. I'm not grateful for the pain he went through. But it took me several years to realize that you can find gratitude in some of those painful memories because he was 83, lived a long life. His pain was over. I'm grateful for that. He had cancer, struggled with it, several forms of cancer for, for many years. But out of that, I changed my life, saved my marriage, saved my health, saved my relationship with my kids, and went on to help other people. So I find gratitude in that, but I also find gratitude and little things like that cardinal my dad sitting outside the window so it was uh it was very time uh, timely i guess that you asked that question right after i saw the cardinal oh yeah that's that is really cool you know and you're absolutely right you know we we absolutely have to find gratitude in every one of our experiences and find the good in it because there is the bad, but if you dwell on the bad, then what's that going to do for your life? And those that move on, and we all have to move on at some point, uh, some of us much too soon, some people much too soon, uh, but they want us to move on with our lives. And you can't do that if you keep dwelling on, you know, why did this happen and, you know, all these other kind of things. You really, it's so much healthier mind physically and mentally to find the joy in the life that you did share with them. So good on you for, and, and that's just awesome that you have such a wonderful symbol of your dad in the Cardinals. And I truly believe that your dad is there with you in, in that regard. Yes, no, absolutely. And maybe it's linked to the fact that the, I'm not a St. Louis Cardinals fan, but I do love watching the Cardinals when they beat the Cubs because I'm a White Sox fan. So maybe, maybe there's a linkage there somehow. <laughs> 
<laughs> that, there you go. That makes sense, and you can definitely find joy in that for sure. Uh, excellent. I love that you said that. So here on Men of Abundance, you know, I read through your bio, and that's all the stuff you do professionally and whatnot. We got a little bit personal, but we like to get to know the man behind the abundance. So if you would, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, I mean, first of all, husband and father. And you could take away my house, my cars, you could take away any of my clients, you could take away the bank account. And I still realize that I still got my wife and kids, and so I'm still living. And as long as I have them, I am who I am. And I focus on that. And, and you know, it's interesting, when I do workshops and retreats the first, and, and keynotes, the first question I ask is, who are you? And I get all these people raising their hand and I call on them. And it ranges from like 70% to 100% of the people give a job title. Mm-hmm. And I say, I asked him, I said, when you came out of the womb, did you have a name tag on that said, hi, I'm Jim, I'm Jane, I'm VP of sales, I'm chief of marketing? Of course not. You're more than that. But the more we, we train ourselves and program ourselves to answer the question with, you know, who are you? How would you describe yourself? Well, I, I'm marketing. I do this. Then you wrap yourself up with that. And it becomes where that one day you don't get a client, you lose your self sense of meaning. You know, that's why you find men who may find themselves out of work at 45, 50, 55. They've become so wrapped up in defining themselves, their self-worth, who they are, their meaning in their job, and ignoring the other things that are important in their lives that when they lose their job, you see so many of them. I mean, men, middle-aged, 45 to 54, actually white men, um, highest suicide rate, 7 in 10 which shocks many people, right? Because you hear about the kids, which is tragic. You hear about the celebrities, which is tragic. But 45 to 54, and you know, you go back to gratitude, you go back to finding meaning, and you go back to tying yourself worth into um, just a paycheck that you're getting, which I'm not saying money's not important, but it shouldn't be your self-worth. It shouldn't be your meaning in life. Very good point. That is something that uh, is very prevalent in my circles, which is that of veterans, yeah. uh, because many of these guys, and specifically men, not a lot, women do uh, commit suicide as well, for sure, uh, but it's a much larger rate amongst men because they get caught up in exactly that. They expect to do a full career in the military and then they get injured one way or another or otherwise get separated and they completely their identity is like stripped from them and they don't understand who they are they as far as they were concerned their army you know they're a soldier a sailor a marine uh you know airman whatever uh coasty whatever they yeah. were and the same thing with a lot of sports figures as well they get injured as well and you know sure. firefighters there's many occupations that this happens to and they've attached their identity to their vocation to their job title yeah. and it's 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 hard to disconnect from that and move on but uh once they do then they find that they are who they are as a as a man or a woman and that doesn't necessarily mean what they do uh as an income now i get very i'm very obsessed with what i do for an income now but i did 25 years in the army Sure. And as an army medic, and I still identify with that, but right, right. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm, I no longer do that. So I've moved on and do other things. So I totally get that, man. 
Yeah, and and you know, you mentioned the men versus women. It's it's what I've read is uh, women have higher rates of depression, right. but they go and get help. Mm-hmm. And I think with men, <laughs> there certainly are enough people in this world who need to toughen up. <laughs> For <laughs> right? sure. And, For sure. Um, There's no doubt. But. You know, I used to be into powerlifting and, and, you know, still into working out. And I was the guy who you'd feel a twinge in the middle of a squat and you'd push through it. But you know the difference between soreness and something that's just like the pain of working out and something where you're like, I just tore a muscle. And I used to push through that, right? Because I was taught no pain, no gain. And, and I took mm-hmm. that a little too far, right, to mean debilitating injuries, toughen up, push through it. And then what happens is then you, you're on the couch for two weeks <laughs> because right. you were, you were stupid. You weren't tough. You were stupid. Um, and I think, and, and I experienced this and I, I think a lot of men do this too, is, is you're weak for asking for help. You're weak for seeking help. And there's a difference between seeking help and being a, being a, you know, affectionately called a snowflake and melting under pressure. Mm-hmm. They're two vastly different things because what we see now are, are people uh, men who are so steeped in guilt because they're like listen i'm making money i'm doing this i'm doing what i was told to do and yet i don't feel fulfilled i don't feel free and so they steep in that guilt and they marinate in it for a long time mistaking it for toughness and unfortunately as we've discussed some of them take a permanent solution to it uh some of them their marriages go by, go bye bye their, their relationships with their kids, their health. And, um, you know, you got to learn the difference between being tough and being stupid, I guess. Mm -hmm. And, and learning to ask for some help and not feeling selfish about self care. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's a big problem. And it's been a big problem for many years, uh, in many circles. And the military has done a little bit better at educating people on such things as that. Otherwise, regardless of the, of what, of, what you do business, you know, in business or in the corporate world or whatever, so many people just go on and do things because somebody else wanted them to do that. And mm-hmm. then they become that grumpy old man sitting on the front porch telling kids to get the hell off their lawn or some crap, you know, that nobody likes because right. you're just miserable and you just, if you, you know, misery loves company. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's, you know, it, it's programming. There, you know, you talk about abundance, right? Abundance doesn't necessarily just mean money and a paycheck. Abundance, when you have an abundance mindset, you know, I I reject both political parties at this front. I worked in politics for years and I reject both because I see them both as scarcity mindset parties. It's us versus them. Now, the them is different (laughs) based if you're on the right or the left. Sure. But when it becomes, when you have that scarcity mindset, it's us versus them, and there's one pie, and we're all fighting over three slices of the pie. The slice, the, the pie doesn't get bigger. You don't multiply the pies. We're all fighting over that one pie. And that's programmed into our minds from the time we're born. Politicians, from the pulpit, from our parents, from schools, right? There's all those people in the world who they watch Shark Tank, and they're like, those fat cats and they, they come to believe that even people, first of all, that the majority of people with wealth and abundance got there through 
unethical means, which is just simply untrue. Correct. I interviewed a guy, uh, Randy Gage, who's got the prosperity factor, and he talks about prosperity. And he, he tells the story of he came out one day at his apartment and got the uh, or his condo and picked up the newspaper, and it said, millionaire accused of murder. He's like, I don't remember once ever picking it up and saying, poor man accused of murder. Now, mm-hmm. that's on page six, but that's part of the programming. Hollywood, wh- when is it always the bad guy is always the rich guy? And in order to redeem himself, he has to quit his job. You know, it's, it's, it's always the person with money. And so we come to be programmed into that and feel guilty, have bad relationships with money. That's why, you know, people may love Donald Trump. They may hate him. He lost all his money. He got it back. Why? Because that's what he was born. That was his programming. Mm-hmm. You look at the vast majority of people who win the lottery, what happens? They lose it right away. You're either programmed for abundance or programmed for scarcity. And that's your mindset. That's when you tell people, get off my lawn. That's when you become susceptible to sitting there and watching whatever cable news program you watch for eight hours a day, letting it seep into you, getting so angry at the world, not making positive changes in your life because you fold your arms, you blame it on Obama, you blame it on Trump, you blame it on the world, you blame it on your teachers, you blame it on Mark Cuban, you blame it on some rich guy. It has nothing to do with your life. It's easier to blame the world than to take personal responsibility. But when you start taking personal responsibility, when you start realizing, yeah, that pie, those three slices are taken. I'm going to go create a whole new pie. I'm going to bake a new pie. That's when you start to have that abundance mindset, have a clear vision. And it's not just about money, although that's a big part of it. But you start to realize that we were endowed with these talents and these gifts, and we can create what we want. And by you creating something, Wally, it doesn't take away from me. We can both create things and change the world. And, you know, you help a million people, you make a million bucks. Yeah. And all of you, everything you just said right there is by and large why I started this podcast. One, because I wanted to have conversations with other people who are living a life of abundance in their own right, somehow paying it forward. And then I wanted to know that kick in the gut moment because I wanted to show other people that have a scarcity mindset that people of abundance and living a life of abundance in their own right have kick have these just serious issues that everybody else does. They're really yeah. not that much different. And you're absolutely right with the programming that we have. And that's part of the reason, again, why I started this whole pro- process and this abundance journey is to share with people who are living a life of scarcity and show them that can, you can, in fact, live a life of abundance in family, faith, finances, and fitness on your yeah. way to having more. But yeah. the difference between success and abundance to me is success is individual. That's you. You've reached the level of success in, or you've, you've mastered the violin or you've mastered a sport or whatever the case may be. That's you. Abundance is when you're able to have enough resources to where you can share even more because you got to share along the way. That's how you end up in, in an abundance mindset is by giving, sharing, and you know of, of your time, treasures, and talents. So very well said, and thank you for saying that because that that just fires me up. It gets me so <laughs> pumped up. I can just get, get on my soapbox about this. But you alluded to briefly a kick-in-the-gut moment that involved your dad, and maybe that is your kick-in-the-gut moment. But if not, share with us a kick-in-the-gut moment that really took you to your knees, and then we're going to talk about what you learned from that and what you're doing with that information. Yeah, so yeah, back in 2012, you know, my father was my hero. Um, my mentor and he passed away and, and, um, I gave the eulogy at his funeral, but the night before 
at the wake, you know, he had all these, so my backing up. So my dad was uh, an engineer, mechanical engineer by trade, um, and did a lot of cool things. A lot of it before I was even born, but, uh, designed uh, technology on fighter jets. Uh, my brother told me my dad was in on, uh, one of the first shoulder fire missiles, <laughs> um, on designing it. He worked for Honeywell worked actually after he passed away. My mom got some pension checks from defense contractors that we never even knew he worked for. Wow. Um, he uh, later in life actually led the team, held a patent for that designed all the electronic switches on the Boeing 777, worked on the space program, uh, did all these cool things, right? And at his wake, these grown men stand up to talk about my dad, tears in their eyes, and not a one person mentioned my dad's career. That really cool, all that cool stuff I just mentioned, they didn't mention. No one mentioned it. Why? It was about what my dad did. You know, he went to University of Notre Dame, and he was uh, president of the local Notre Dame club. He volunteered, read audiobooks for the blind, was at all my recitals, all my rehearsals, all my cross-country practices, all those things. And that's what people remembered. And I sat there. For several years, I was in the midst of owning a PR and ad agency. So this would have been about six, seven years into that. And I was miserable. For several years, I had been having anxiety attacks. I was about 50 pounds heavier than I am now. I was on a bunch of prescription drugs. There was one time, Wally, where my wife came in. I had the lights off in the room. I was sitting on the edge of the bed, rocking back and forth, having some sort of crazy moment, right? Telling my wife, get the kids out of the house. I can't stand their voices. Whoa. And I, it was a number of feelings. It was anxiety mixed with guilt. Because I had a seven-figure business. I was doing what I was told to do. I was being the man. I was earning the paycheck. I was the breadwinner. I had a beautiful wife. I had the house. And I was guilty because I hated it all. I, well, I, let me say, I hated the company that I had. I hated my clients. I loved my wife. I, I loved the house. But I wasn't fulfilled. I didn't have that feeling like I was waking up every morning doing what I was put on this earth to do. And I'd had that feeling for several years. And so when that happened at my dad's wake, that was the kick in the gut moment where I said, listen, my hero set the example for me. Here, everyone is showing how they saw my dad and his life. You know, you ask, who are you? Not a one person mentioned that incredible Tony Stark-like career, right? And here I was destroying my marriage, destroying my health, my relationship with my kids, wasn't happy. And so I decided then and there to make a change. And of course, I did what most people do when they have a kick in the gut moment. I did nothing <laughs> because <laughs> the guilt and the fear were too strong to overcome. And so it took me five years later when I woke up. It was a Thanksgiving week. I was supposed to have the week off, but that didn't stop my clients and team from calling, emailing, hop on this call, send us this report. Hey, you're coming to that meeting next week. And I woke up that Tuesday morning. It was a Thanksgiving week. And I walked to my wife and I said, I'm done. She said, it's about time. You know, I thought I had been hiding it. You know, I was a tough guy. I wasn't <laughs> hiding it at all. You know, it's like, you know. Not at all. And, and a lot of people ask me, well, why didn't you set up your agency to sell? I said, because I was in such denial that I couldn't even fathom in my head that I would ever give up this agency because you're making a million four, right? You're bringing that in. It's like, I'm not even going to admit to myself out loud that I don't like the agency. I know it deep down, but once you admit it, it becomes true. And when it becomes true, you got to make a change then and there. Yeah. It would have been great to build a runway, but then and there, done. And I, I fired my clients. And I began, I had been kind of side hustle coaching, not as a career choice, but just people came to me and say, hey, you, you've built businesses, you've done this. Thing. 
And I realized that's what I want to do. And I've mm-hmm. moved beyond coaching now. I'm building a media network, um, doing a lot of cool things, speaking, training, those types of things. And I'm more fulfilled than I've ever been, either than though it's harder work than I've ever done. Because often the things we love to do the most are the hardest. And often the things we hate to do, like it was easy for me to make money at my PR and ad agency, but I hated it. So hard doesn't necessarily mean uh, you know, love or uh, hate and ease does not mean love. <laughs> yeah. Well, good for you, man. Seriously. It's, it's so hard for Thank so you. many men to, that's one of the hardest things that it's, it takes, you know, you talk about courage and what's the definition of courage, all this stuff that right there to me is courage to walk away from something like that. And for the betterment of your family, uh, yeah. It's an extremely difficult thing to do. I did that many years ago. It's a longer, different story, but it, the decision plagued me for many years because I had never quit anything in my life that I wanted so bad, and I quit. And even after nine months of hard physical and mental anguish of through that process, and I just walked away from it. And it's it, again, it plagued me for a very long time, maybe even f- more than five years. Um, so I, I can relate. It's very difficult to do guys. And let me tell you though, the freedom that I felt, even though I still felt it plagued me and I felt the anguish and I, and it always, it always was in the back of my mind. I was with my family, man. And I was doing things for my family, actually for my family. Well, I'll admit it take, took many, many more years up until the point that I decided to get on this abundance journey because I still I, I left that thing and went to another thing <laughs> yeah. trying to ungratefully chase a six and seven figure income uh and you know it's a whole many of you already know that story but good on you man and and guys out there that are in that situation you're thinking about this and you know you're in a rock and a hard place it's hard to make that decision but once you do the freedom that you feel is the stress that you lift off your uh, off yourself and your family is just unbelievable. Yeah, and and you know you said you you went to the next thing, right? And you, and that's what I see too is is a lot of people trade one prison for the uh, mm-hmm. for another prison simply because the other prison has you know newer landscaping and a nice and a fresher coat of paint, but it's still yeah, a prison it is. because you you haven't defined what you really want. But for for everyone who has that you know kind of earthquake event in their life, like you and I, right? And we make that change. There's a lot of people who have multiple earthquakes and still don't make the change and they they take their bad lifestyles, their unhealthy lifestyles, I should say, right into the grave. They they take their anger uh, into the into old age when they're all alone and mm-hmm. chasing kids off their lawn and I I used to almost feel guilty that I couldn't help all those people. Mm-hmm. But you have to realize that there are people who are on the fence. You know, when I worked in politics, right, you go after the independents, the people who can be swayed, you know. Uh, Donald Trump ain't going to go recruit and, and convert the MSNBC crowd, and, uh, you know, Bernie's not going to recruit the Fox News crowd. Right. But there's that whole section in the middle, and I'm not just talking about politics. I'm talking about it, life, people who are who have the cracks in the foundation and who want to make a change and who are scared to do it, and that's where, you know, Folks like you and I have to figure out how to how to pull those people in to help them make that change, realizing that there are some people who are just never going to do it. 
That's absolutely correct. You know, at some point you really do have to let them go on and do their own thing. And uh, I just had this conversation with another uh, colleague of mine, another coach, uh, business coach. And he's like, look, I told him, you know, how I get clients is I like to really cold call. I call some of these business owners that I know that I can help because I've already done it in the past. And we get yelled at. We get cursed at because we're calling, you know, at whatever time. or It doesn't matter. And I explained to him, I was like, look, those guys that react that way, those are the ones that need our help the most. Yeah. Because they're frustrated. They're pissed off. They don't trust anybody. They've been burned, whatever the case may be. Put a star next to their name. Call them back in 30 days. Something's going to change. And you're going to catch them at the right time, and you're going to be able to actually make a difference in their in their business, their life, and their family. And, you know, but at some point you do have to get, you know, not give up on them, but you just have to move on. I uh, hope that they do find the help that they need. Yeah, it's not. Yeah, and it's, 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 I, I guess I used to feel guilty, and some people would say, well, you're just giving up on people. It's like, no, I'm not giving up. But to some, at some degree, you know, you can't have a healthy relationship with other people right. unless you love yourself. And you mm-hmm. can't, uh, I talked to a guy who's a, a, another coach and his wife, and he owned a gym as well. So they regularly get people who come in who are severely overweight, bad health, who don't end up joining the gym. And they said, you know, sometimes, yeah, could we have done a better sales job? Yes. But sometimes it's just not going to happen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, even people who join the gym, he's like, listen, we can, w- once they're here, we can train them. We can get them going during that hour or half hour or whatever they're in the gym. But we can't get them up in the morning. We can't get them out of bed. We can't tie their shoes for them. We can't put them in the car to make them come here. And you have to have that realization of between uh, the guilt that it's not giving up on them, but at some point they got to match it, right? They got to, they got to meet you at least halfway, sometimes even 20% to, to get up and have that realization that I got to take some action on my own behalf. For sure. And they have to have some skin in the game. Yeah. You know, to yep. really, they're, they're, you know, that's kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> no, yeah. No one, you know, no one washes a rented car, right? Exactly. 100%. <laughs> Lord knows I don't. Uh, so how, so how are you paying it forward? What are you doing with the information that you've learned both from, the experience with your father and then everything else that you've built on over that, over the time, what are you doing to pay it forward at this point? Yeah. Thousands of hours of free content. Um, the, I have a podcast, freedom mindset radio. We're building, we're, we've already launched the YouTube page, but in two weeks we're launching freedommedianetwork.com. It's going to be the world's largest source of positive news and content, helping people be more free, abundant and prosperous. Uh, cause there's a lo- enough negative news out there. Mm. Listen, we're going to make money off all of this every step of the way, right? Because that's about abundance and no one watches a rented car and people need skin in the game. But every day I wake up not thinking how, how can I sell someone? How can I get a new client? That's important, right? Mm-hmm. Financial freedom is important, but instead I wake up. It's exactly what you said. Gratitude. And I look, I get to help people today. I get to go on Wally's podcast and I'm going to help some people today by going over his airwaves. I have three calls with people today who may buy from me, may they may not buy from me, but I'm going to go in from it not to make the sale, but to help them. Every day I put up free content uh, on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter. Sometimes it brings in a client, sometimes it doesn't. But a couple of weeks ago, I, um, I, did, I did a live stream. I do a live stream every Friday. And one of the things I talked about was Peter Drucker has this great letter and Greg McCown has a book, Essentialism, where he shares this letter that 
Uh, there's a book called Flow written by Mihai Shiksamihai, who's kind of a you know influencer celebrity. He reached out to Drucker and said, hey, I'm doing interviews on what makes people creative. It wasn't just like me reaching out to Peter Drucker. It was kind of a big, big name dude, right? Drucker shared this letter with him that was like the most graceful no I've ever seen. That was like, you know, um, I have a, a very part of what makes me productive is that I have a very large wastebasket for uh, for requests such as yours. Thank you so much for thinking of me. Uh, but I focus on what I do best rather than helping other people. You know, it was he was paying it forward to Mahai in a way that was almost a backhanded no, <laughs> if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But. But I, I talked about this because it's about protecting your energy and protecting your time so you can help those people who really want the help. But a couple of people came in while I'm doing the live stream. They say, well, you only help people who have money and you only help the rich. And that's angry. And I said, listen, and I knew some of these people because they regularly chime in on my podcast and my live streams. I said, when my book was 99 cents during the first month of release, 99 cents on Kindle, did you buy it? Silence. Hmm. I give thousands of hours of free content on LinkedIn. I think I had 3.5 million video views last year or the year before on LinkedIn. Did you watch those? Did you make a change when you did it? And so that's how I pay it forward every single day. I wake up not thinking, how can I make a sale? How can I bring people in? I think, how can I help people today? And uh, it, it, Dan Pena, the $50 billion man, a lot of people don't like him. He drops a lot of F-bombs. He's pretty crass. But he says, listen, money's not everything, but it's the only thing that gets measured. And if, you help, if you're like a Steve Jobs, you help a billion people, you're going to make a billion dollars and don't ever feel bad about that. And don't let anyone feel guilty if they don't jump in and spend their money because that's just an excuse. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I've not heard of Dan Pena. I'm going to look him up for sure. But, oh, uh, my gosh. Yeah, he's, he's, uh, he's an acquired taste. Let me put it that way. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, he's hedge fund guy. He owns a castle in Scotland. He grew up in the barrio of LA. His dad was a cop, tough neighborhood, and then became a CIA, um, uh, agent and, uh, Pena is tough as nails. And, and, um, he's got something called QLA where he brings like 20 people into his castle and it's like a boot camp. He just berates him, tears him down and before billing him back up. And, and like I said, it's an acquired taste. <laughs> oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm going to check that out for sure. Yeah, and I, I was just looking at your podcast as well, or, or looking through your episodes. Definitely going to have to check out uh, episode 271, Abundance, the World is, is Becoming a Better Place. Have you ever read um, the book Abundance, Peter Diamandis? Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That, that's one of my top recommendations when people ask me, uh, specifically because so many people look at abundance as, you know, foo-foo, all this type of stuff. But Peter really puts data, tons of data, to prove just how much better off we are today and how much better we're getting as the time goes on uh, with everything from education, technology, resources, water, food, you name it. I mean, it's just there's so much abundance in the world. It's just a matter of uh, properly distribution of that yeah. abundance. And, and, and like you said, creating your own pie if somebody's taken from the pie that you can't get a piece of then go bake your own darn pie my Absolutely. goodness it's not it's there is so much in the world that you can create your own yeah it, it's that that interview uh, which was with professor anthony davies we talked about all the things in the world that show that this is the best time to be alive um you look at you know if you just watched social media and and cable news right you'd think violence mm. is on the increase for sure 
it's at the lowest levels globally, but here in the United States that it's ever been. Mm-hmm. The uh, poverty has more sharply decreased over the last 150 or 100 years than at any time in history. Now, a lot of that is because of free markets and the decline in totalitarian regimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but you look at all these things and you wouldn't know it because of that scarcity programming in Hollywood, cable news, you know, even the pulpits. You know, I won't go into specific religions, but I'm sick of of having religious leaders go out and say free markets are bad, money is bad, and then mm. they pass the hat or they, you know, their <laughs> uni- their, yeah. their universities are fifty thousand dollars a year to attend. It ain't yeah. the poor people who are attending. I'm sorry. Hello. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so they, you're you're exactly right about that. And that's I'll, just I'll the universities. Not even talking about the the the. Uh, elementary schools are just ridiculous and and many of these um, organizations as well no i totally agree 100 percent. and you know one of the one one device that a lot of people speak poorly about that has really pushed the um, developing countries so much further ahead and gotten them so much closer and gotten the poverty out of many of these countries is the cell phone yeah. It has yeah. really, really innovated so many people's lives and businesses. I got multiple stories, and Peter talks about that in his book Abundance. Um, but yeah, for sure, man. Yeah, there's uh, Stephen Pinker has a great book called Enlightenment Now, and it's interesting. And he talks along the same lines of everything that has gotten better: violence, economy, mm-hmm. and he's got a stat in there about cell phones. And it's like if you look at Africa or or you know third world countries or whatever the politically correct term is now, right? Uh, uh, One cell phone, like a single cell phone, increases the GDP of that country like by 3,000 bucks. It's something crazy like that. Like you wouldn't think, and it's like, wow, you get get 1,000 people a smartphone? It's like, what? And um, uh, now... I'm interviewing a, a a guy who used to serve on the National Security Council who just wrote a book about China, who talks about all those cell phones, where they're made and, and the dangers of that. But that's a different that's a different uh, story. Right. That's a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, entirely. Absolutely. Yeah. About. Yeah. That's that's a very good point. Um, but yeah, specifically cell phones connect the smartphones connected to the Internet. They just can do so much better. So, brother, yeah. we are at the point where we are going to pay it forward to our abundant leaders. You ready to do that? Absolutely, sir. Excellent. So share one to three actionable steps that men of abundance can take today. Yeah, well, one we talked about, when you wake up first thing in the morning, 25 things you're grateful for. Half of them will have to be hard. You know, you can't repeat things every day. Like, yeah, I'm grateful for my wife every single day. It's cheating if I write that down every day, right? Right. Right. But I got to find those things that are tough in my life that I can find gratitude in. The second thing is, the hardest work I do every day is getting up several hours before we have four kids. It gets loud in the house. I wake up before any meetings. It's quiet and I meditate. I'm mindful and I put myself in my vision. I marinate in it almost to make my future, my present, so my body feels like it's been there before. I have to do that every single day so that I don't marinate in any trauma from the past or bad fears. So meditation, mm-hmm. gratitude, and then changing my physiology right after I do that. So after I meditate, I do Wim Hof breathing. 
Then I go right into push-ups, squats, not a full workout, but enough to get my blood flowing, mm -hmm. get the oxygen in my bloodstream, get myself out of whatever worries I had, my to-dos and my tasks that were spinning in my head as soon as I woke up, and I'm ready for the day. And those three things prime me for abundance each and every day. <laughs> That's awesome. Just last night, my wife and I were talking. She was saying, well, I'm going to get up early tomorrow, and I'm going to do this. And I looked at her, I was like, I don't know if I want you up that early. She said, why? I said, because that's my time. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, yeah. That's how important yeah. it is to me. It's very important to me to have that morning time. Even my little guy, he knows because he'll get up early once in a while when, he, you know, when he's not in school. And he knows when I'm in my office space or if I'm sitting out back, it's his dad's time. He, we've, yeah. we've conditioned him at that point. Absolutely. So it's very important to have that time. So – you already mentioned a few things that are kind of rituals or behaviors and habits. What rituals make the biggest impact in your life? You know what I'm learning that meditation does in the morning? Um, and I'm learning it because uh, we just had some company. And this is an excuse, and I should have found another way to do it. Hmm. But we had a couple of guests in, and my, my office uh, doubles as guest room. And for a week and a half, I didn't do my morning meditation. Mm-hmm. I, I went to the chiropractor yesterday. Oh, I did too. I, <laughs> I was so out of alignment. Mm -hmm. it, it's interesting how physically, you know, your thoughts fuel emotions, which are chemical reactions in your body. You know, you don't believe me. Think about someone you're really attracted to. We won't get into what chemical reaction you have in your body, but, you know, think about trauma or fear. You're, you're, that's a chemical reaction. Chemical reactions were happening in my body because I didn't slow it down. I wasn't mindful and I didn't take charge. So I'm, I'm really, I've really learned here recently that, that meditation is the routine that I absolutely, I'm going to travel tomorrow early. I, that means I got to get up at four in the morning and make sure I do the meditation. Otherwise the rest of my day is shot. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I love my, in addition to that for me personally, my wife and I love our uh, every other week massage and I like, I go to the mm, chiropractor nice. twice a week. Nice. Uh, I'm telling you, man. And I've only recently started doing, we've been doing massages for a while, but I've only recently started going to a chiropractor and I've got acupun acupuncture coming up on Thursday for the first time. So I'm nice. looking forward to that as well. See how yeah, let me know out. how that goes. I've never done the acupuncture, but yeah, I, for I sure. definitely thought about yeah, it. I got a lot of chronic yeah. pain and stuff that I deal with. So I've just been dealing with it. I'm one of those guys, you know, it's just deal with yeah. it, you know. But, um, hey, you know, I, I get what I can, so I'm going to try that out too. Yeah, absolutely. So what are you reading or listening to that you would recommend to our Abundant Leaders and why? Yeah, so what right now, um, well, I just finished the book, and it's possibly one of the best books I've ever read from uh, from all the things we've talked about, but also Ancient Wisdom, which is uh, Thick Face, Black Heart. And it, it shares uh, ancient Chinese kind of military wisdom. And uh, the author uh, has passed away. Her name is Chin Nung Chu. Uh, she's passed away, but uh, grew up in Taiwan, came here. Excellent book that will teach you lessons for life, for business, uh, for fighting, <laughs> those types of things. And it also led me to read something I read every morning now is the Tao, uh, the Tao Te Ching. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of incredible wisdom in there that if you look and you match it up even with the Bible and you match it up with, for instance, uh, ancient Hindu, like the uh, Bhagavad Gita, a uh, lot of common themes that run throughout all of those ancient, uh, ancient texts. And uh, once you find out where they, where they match up, 
you might think, hmm, there might be something to this. If they've been talking about this for 5,000 years, it might be great. But I was, I was introduced to it. My gateway drug was Thick Face Black Heart. Uh, I think the subtitle is The Warrior Philosophy for Conquering the Challenges of Business and Life. Mm. Um, someone had recommended it for a year. And I'm like, I don't want to read that. It doesn't sound like any. And I read it and just has changed my outlook on everything. I'll have to check that out. I'm going to definitely write that one down. What do you feel holds most people back from living a life of true abundance? Programming. The programming that was embedded in their brains from parents, the pulpit, schools, Hollywood, social media, you name it. And 95% of our day is our subconscious, walking, breathing, heart pumping, right? Mm -hmm. The other five is your conscious. That's when you're smart. That's your creativity. But your subconscious is everything you've been programmed to do, your computer programming. If you wake up in the morning and you're like, I'm going to do this out of willpower and motivation, that's your consciousness thinking, but you're fighting a losing battle. You're fighting against 95% of your, your mind, right? You got to do that daily work of reprogramming your subconscious for abundance. Otherwise, you just revert to what you know, which is scarcity. And I would say that's everyone uh, is programmed that way. And, and if you weren't in the first seven years, if you went to a school, in America, <laughs> if you if you watch TV, if you watch Hollywood uh, movies, any of that, it embeds it in your brain. Yeah, absolutely. And it, and it's been going on. That type of media has been going on for many years. I mean, look at Charles Dickens' um, uh, Christmas yeah. Carol, Ebenezer yep. Scrooge, the rich man, the richest man in town, the worst man in town. These are yep. the messages that we have roaming around in our head, and it's absolutely not the case absolutely more and more business owners that i get a chance to talk to that are just give so much more not even just in philanthropy type they they offer jobs and they do very well to their employees and and do and just do amazing things in the community those stories don't get told uh unless they're here on a podcast like this absolutely i mean yeah there's bernie madoffs in the world but (laughs) There are people who think, you know, like Dickens or It's a Wonderful Life or even the Muppets, the Evil Oil Baron or you name Mm -hmm. you name it. Right. People come to think that the Bernie Madoffs of the world are the rule instead of the exception. And you talk about paying it forward. And, yeah, it's not just philosophy or uh, not just philanthropy. It's not just giving away free stuff in a true free market. The way you become prosperous is you offer value in exchange for value. And the money you make is actually just a receipt for the value you gave. Mm -hmm. And that's the rule. That's not the exception. Bernie Madoff's of the world, they're the exception. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority of people, you see, I had a relative recently say, oh, well, the rich people, you know, Amazon doesn't pay anything in taxes. And I said, well, why do you care? Do you know how many people they employ? Well, what about Jeff Bezos? I said, Jeff Bezos may be a good human. He may be a bad human, but he's created jobs. And by the way, when he started, he was dirt poor. So Jeff Bezos isn't taking anything out of your wallet unless you choose to mm-hmm. shop and buy a product on his platform that he built through his creativity and ingenuity. So that's a far different mindset. When I, you know, you and I discuss that and we talk about that. And it seems, yeah, that's the way things happen. Then you go out in the world and you share that philosophy and people look at you like you're an alien. Mm-hmm. And it shows just how insidious that programming has been. Randy Gage, prosperity guru, calls it the matrix. And, it, and it's real. And it's, 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 you got to fight against that because you, know, you are the gatekeeper of what you allow into your mind. And if that means turning off the TV, if it means 
changing the types of books you read, if it means not allowing certain movies into your house, certain movies on Netflix to watch, you know, whatever it is, take ownership. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And the other part of that is look at what quit paying attention to what people are saying and look at what they're doing. And I'm talking politicians. I'm talking like we were talking about earlier with the various, you know, religious groups. They're saying, you know, poverty, 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 you know, you should shouldn't be living in this, you know, abundance world with all this, you know, at your free beck and call and all this kind of stuff. But oh, by the way, if you want any of your kids to join any of our schools or universities, it's a couple thousand dollars a month. Well, who the heck can pay for that? But the people who have abundance and plenty, well, and in this case, I mean, rich, they have a lot of money, a lot of resources, or they're going to take yeah. massive sacrifices. Mom and dad's going to work two, three jobs each, and siblings are going to work two, three jobs each to get one sibling into the school. And even if you're not talking about direct tuition, for all the people who are proposing free college and free health care, it ain't free for the abundant people who are the ones who pay the majority, the great majority of the taxes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's like 95% uh, of Americans pay 90% of the taxes. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, without wealthy people, you wouldn't have your roads. You wouldn't have be able to give away free health care. You wouldn't be able to give away, quote, free stuff. And so, and to your point, many of the people bad-mouthing the wealthy, some in particular I can think of in my head, are wealthy themselves. Absolutely. <laughs> and they got wealthy by bashing the wealthy. That's my so, point. Ain't that interesting? Yeah, very, very much so. Very much so. And and why do they want control of the laws? I'm not, we're, this is about as far into the political yeah. uh, conversation we're going to get. But the reason why they want control of the laws is so that they can keep their personal wealth. That's the whole thing about it. So that yep, just absolutely. just consider that, guys. That's all we're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be blinded. All right. So what does being a man of abundance mean to you? I think being a man of abundance means knowing the truth about the word responsibility. You and I have both told stories, and you tell it all the time on the show, about how maybe we looked at responsibility in the past, which was protecting what you have, keeping that paycheck going, not risking anything because to risk is to be irresponsible, right? But I think what we both realized is we're no good to our wives and kids if we're dead. (laughs) We're no good to our wives if we're horrible husbands. And we're horrible husbands if we focus so much on that paycheck, we bastardize the word responsibility, and we destroy our relationships. The real responsibility is being abundant, having that abundance mindset where you wake up in the morning, you're joyful, You have great relationships, which, by the way, have nothing to do with your paycheck. And again, you and I will both agree, money is great. Money is wonderful. Money is a receipt for the value you give out to the world. But if your relationships are fully dependent, or you think they are, on the money that's in your paycheck every week, then you got to reevaluate what that word responsibility truly means in your life, um, because you may actually be being extremely irresponsible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's multiple stories we can go down uh, to prove that point. But we are going to close this up, brother. And before we do, I want to afford you the opportunity to share anything we did not talk about. Do you want to ensure that our abundant leaders get out of our conversation today? And of course, we will have your website linked up. I got to make sure I get your name right. Kurt <laughs> Mercadante.com. 
Yes. KurtMercadante.com. Uh, we're going to have that linked up in the show notes. But what do we not talk about that you want to ensure that our listeners get out of our conversation today? Yeah, you know, that abundance versus scarcity mindset is something I write about in my book, uh, with Five Pillars of the Freedom Lifestyle. And you talk about paying it forward. Anyone listening right now can go to fivepillarsoffreedom.com. It's easier to spell than my name, right? <laughs> and get chapter one of my book absolutely free. And um, you can hear about some of the things that we've talked about today, talking about abundance and scarcity, but it's absolutely free, no strings attached. You can go there, get chapter one of my book. Excellent. I appreciate that, Kurt. We'll have that linked up in the show notes as well, man. Great conversation. Could have gone down many rabbit holes. I think we did a pretty good job of yeah. keeping it on track uh, and trying to keep within the time frame that I like to keep it in. But go out, live your life of abundance, man. Keep paying it forward. It's making a hell of a difference, and I greatly appreciate you. Thanks so much, Wally. Likewise. All right, guys, I got a couple action steps for you today. One is Go ahead and do an assessment of yourself. Make sure that your mindset is one of abundance rather than a mindset of scarcity. That is extremely important. Pay very close attention to this. I have been in an abundance mindset and actively doing this show on top of it for almost five years now. And I'm still having to recheck myself. I still have to get up in the morning and get into some abundance mindset, listen to not just positive stuff, but also learning about my skills, my tasks, the things that I enjoy doing, which is marketing and business strategies. And I'm constantly staying up to date on all of that, as well as living every bit of my life with my family, everything from playing board games to even traveling these days and going to Disney Universal, all this kind of stuff that I truly enjoy doing. The second action step is for you to go get access to the Men of Abundance Facebook group. This is for the men. I know I was kind of opening it up to women in the past, but I'm going to keep it all for men in the Facebook group. And then go register for that Men of Abundance Hangout regardless if you get on the one this evening or you get on any of the future hangouts. Now, why is this important? In order for you to develop the abundance mindset and keep the abundance mindset, you need what's referred to as spaced repetition. You need to be around people. You've heard it before. You are a direct reflection of the five people you spend the most time with. So if you want to develop an abundance mindset and get rid of the scarcity mindset as much as possible, then you absolutely must hang out with people with an abundance mindset. And we're going to be having people eventually in this group, in this hangout, from all over the world. There's already people in the Facebook group from all over the world. And we're going to be getting many different perspectives, which just... It just excites the hell out of me. I love that idea of the diversity and embracing each other's differences and learning from each other. It only makes us stronger and it makes us more powerful. It makes us more abundant. And lastly, share this episode, share Men of Abundance with others on all of your social media platforms. Talk to people about it. Anybody ask them, look, do you listen to podcasts? No? Okay. I want you to start listening to podcasts. I highly recommend it. In fact, your first podcast is going to be Men of Abundance. Grab their phone from them. Show them where the podcast player is at on their phone. If they don't have one, download one. Apple already has one. You have to download them onto Android, I believe. And then go ahead and subscribe them to the Men of Abundance podcast. Be that bold about it. It's that important. Now, go out, live your life of abundance, and make sure to pay it forward. 
that's all for today, Abundance Leaders. For more about our guests and the powerful information we shared with you today, be sure to sign up for our mailing list at menofabundance.com. We appreciate your time and look forward to hanging out with you on our next episode. So until then, be sure to pay it forward and live your life of abundance.